0: Welcome back to the Wild West Crypto Show. I'm Brent Bates, and it's that time of day that we go and visit with Jonathan with uh, Cryptocurrency Wire. Jonathan, how are you doing, man?
1: Oh, everything's pretty good here. How are you, Brent?
0: I can't complain. I assume you survived all the election results.
1: Absolutely. Slept like a baby. I was out about 10.30. (laughs) Oh, i tell you what. I went to some local uh, election watch parties
0: and... I've been kind of dieting and fasting, and I, I kind of went off my fast. So uh, I put on a food tumor and went home with went to sleep. So it, <laughs> it ended out all good. Well, listen, let's go ahead and get, get into it. Uh, INX applies for listing on the Canadian Securities Exchange. Tell us about that one.
1: So, INX is regarded as the first registered offering of security tokens in the US. It also stands out for being an IPO that accepts uh, payments in Bitcoin, Ether, and USD coin. Uh, But the big news here is that a traditional exchange, basically the Canadian version of the NASDAQ, is listing digital security tokens. The CEO of the CSE provided a quote that presented Digital Securities as a no-brainer, and I completely agree with them.
0: Well, and I'll tell you what, I I actually, at one time, this was a number of years ago when I had a mutual fund, was doing a lot of that stuff. I actually looked at possibly doing some stuff on the Canadian exchange because they're a whole lot less onerous than they are here in the U.S. in regards on being able to get things up on the exchange. And obviously, they're not only less onerous, they're obviously a little bit more progressive uh, with them bringing on a cryptocurrency like this. And, you know, you got to love to see this kind of melding of all of this because it's going to bring to the forefront the fact that some of the laws and regulations around the world have not been able to keep up with cryptocurrency. So I, I would definitely consider that uh, a good thing to have happened. Grayscale Trust sees largest ever weekly inflow nears 500,000 Bitcoin in total. Now that's a bunch of Bitcoin.
1: It is. To put a USD figure on this, we're talking about $215 million in a single week. Now, if this rate is consistent to the end of the year, Grayscale will hold 5% of Bitcoin's current supply. And that's insane if you would consider just 5% of the U.S. M3 monetary supply. Uh, it's about $920 billion, so essentially a trillion dollars. And that's just for one country. And uh, this data comes from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis.
0: Wow. And you know, what people don't understand, I, I think sometimes lost on them, with Bitcoin and all you're ever going to have is the 21 million. With Bitcoin, the more of it that gets locked down uh, owned by one owner that's got 5%. And if he decides to hodl for the next five years or 10 years, well, guess what? you take a relatively rare commodity, and you just make it rarer. And and with all the institutional buys that we have, and those people are not, they're not gonna trade it when it goes up by $1,000 or $2,000. You can't help but believe this hyperbolic move that a lot of people have projected is right around the corner. And some of this news, in my opinion, kind of gives credence to those those projections, to say the least. Listen, let's go to the Turkish inflation makes Bitcoin's 2017 all-time high look like a tiny blip. (laughs) Tell us about that
1: one. Well, as Americans, it's easy to forget that Bitcoin isn't just measured against the U.S. dollar. The bigger story here is that cryptocurrency usage in Turkey is now off the charts. In a recent report, Chainalysis ranked the country as number one in the Middle Eastern region for cryptocurrency adoption. And, you know, it only makes sense that as fiat currencies fail around the world, the populations are going to flock to a fixed supply digital asset like Bitcoin.
0: Yes. And folks, you know, um, you know, used to be when you didn't have digital assets and you didn't have the availability to um, avoid the inflation of your homeland uh, cash or fiat, you know, you literally just kind of had to sit there and accept it. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot you could do about it. And, you know, those of us that have got gray hair, uh, we can remember the 70s and some of the last hyperinflation that the US worked its way through and you know back then you know you, you had money markets paying 12 and 15% return because inflation was above that um, and so imagine the hyperinflation that goes on in in countries like Turkey the ability of those people to get out of it just like what goes on in Venezuela the ability of those people to get involved with bitcoin sets up a whole alternative Uh, financial system right within their uh, their own country. I think that's amazing, don't you? I do. Well, I'll tell you what, as usual, Jonathan, you brought us some really good ones. And you know, you can't help but look at this and see how things are aligning for cryptocurrency to continue to grow and grow and grow and Bitcoin to become more accepted, more broadly used, both in a lot of the payment stories that you've given us in the past weeks, but in the investment community with the people that are taking huge positions, owning 5% of all Bitcoin. Uh, that is amazing. Well, listen, you got you got anything planned for the weekend?
1: You know, not particularly other than getting caught up. Uh, we just had our third year anniversary, so it was fun last weekend. This weekend, I got to get caught up again. <laughs>
0: Well, listen. You and Havilah have a have a great time. Uh, don't work yourself to death. We'll be back next week with Cryptocurrency Wire on the Wild West Crypto Show.